HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. You are listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. This season, we are showcasing stories from the inaugural class of Changing Narratives Africa Fellowship, a highly selective program for African food entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their brands into global markets. The organization's vision is to see proudly African food and beverage brands on the shelves of all the major grocery chains and e-commerce sites in the world because they are high quality, healthy, and taste good. Here's this week's conversation. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, Welcome to Item 13 in 2022. I'm excited for our first guest and and this series that that I've talked to many of you about, um, highlighting the fellows from the Changing Narratives Africa program. Um, First on deck is Chichi Eriobu. Um, who's who's dialing in from Nigeria? Um, I always assume Lagos, but she will tell us if she is in Lagos or not. Um, <laughs> who has a food business for Nasus Foods uh, that highlights a local um, produce that she's going to tell us more about? Like I don't know a lot about it, so I'm going to be learning along with the rest of you. Welcome to the show, Chichi. Hi, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. Um, I've, I've read a little bit about you and your story and, and the work that you're doing. So I'm, I'm excited to share with everyone else. Um, so I always start with asking people to share a little bit about themselves, their background, like where you grew up. Um, and then if you did anything else right before you sort of ended up in the food space. Um, uh, okay, first of all, I am joining in from Lagos, Nigeria, so it's okay to assume <laughs> some time. <laughs> so it's okay to assume some time. So yeah, I'm joining in from Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, that's where we have our head office, of course. And then we have um, other offices, uh, mostly in the eastern part of Nigeria. Uh, but first of all, um, I didn't have um, an educational background with respect to food. Mm-hmm. But I had a family background with respect to food. I mean, I studied mass communication in the university and um, I was very passionate. Um, I'm still very passionate about being in the media. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to own my own interview someday, somehow, soon. Um, I mean, I have even tried something like that. I mean, when when Facebook launched uh, Facebook Live Video, some of us were the first group of people that jumped on it when it was it was just fresh. And then I remember I used to uh, do what you're doing now, Yam. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to bring entrepreneurs on my show. I used to get them to come and tell their stories. But my motive then was because I was also a failing entrepreneur. So I wanted to use the opportunity to learn myself before even any other person tuning in to learn. So I had done um, all the businesses, uh, like uh, say, I had done hotel amenities supply. I had done event planning. I had done a recharge card airtime sales at some point. I had done clothes business, uh, buying and selling. And um, one thing was certain with uh, the buying and selling aspects of the business, I either was running at a huge losses, I was selling on credit, and I was making lots of errors. And the other two businesses, which is hotel amenities supply and events planning, is that they are the kind of businesses that you have to do on referrals. And if you don't know anybody, nobody knows you. People have to refer you. And it takes a really long time to grow doing them. So I had really failed doing quite a number of things. I mean, I didn't do so much of 95, but I did a couple of 95 here and there. But I knew that at the long run, I wanted to own, I wanted something to own. I mean, when I was leaving the university, my prayer point had always been, I wanted to be a job creator. Mm-hmm. It didn't even matter at that point in time if I had experience with nine to five or what it meant to create jobs. I just mm-hmm. knew that I didn't want to be found in what they call labor market, carrying CVs up and downs and looking for <laughs> jobs and the rest of that. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember that the first ever real-time nine to five job I got a friend of mine literally forcefully said bring what you have as a cv and he edited it and he dropped it with this uh, mobile telecommunication company Mm. and my own was just to show up and be interviewed and start work i was not ready to carry my cvs around to do all of that (laughs) so so and i'm glad for him that he did that for me because part of what spilled out from that experience is my boss uh at that particular first literally uh, first uh, employment, uh, who is currently sitting on our board as one of our members of our board of advisory. Now, uh, how did I eventually get into um, food processing and packaging? Yeah. Now, there's something about failure. Failure sort of has a way of um, making you review your life, especially when all around you, you're seeing young people your, your age, uh, people you grew up with literally doing well or practically doing well or relatively doing well. And then you're asking yourself, I mean, I have tried to do stuff and I continue to feel, what more can I do? And I remember that the day the idea for food business came to me, it wasn't a random, it was, I mean, I wouldn't call it random because I remember I was lounging with some friends that had just come into the country and I was seeing money being spent and I was asking myself, I mean, I'm see, look at me here spending someone else's money. When, you, when is it going to be my own money that people are going to spend? And I remember at one, one particular evening, everybody was normal thing. Everybody wanted to go hang out and I wasn't in the mood. And I sat there. I said, you guys can go. I need, I need, to, I need some time to myself. And everybody stepped out. And it was just me in the room where I was lodged. And then I started talking to myself. I usually, I have a culture of carrying a notepad and a viral in my handbag, mm-hmm. no matter how small the notepad. And then I began to talk to myself and I began to ask God, I was having a conversation with God now and I was asking him, I said, I mean, um, I have done 
couple of things. I've tried to help myself and everything I have tried to do literally flopped right before my eyes. What more can I do? It was real-time conversation. What more can I do? What haven't I tried? The question I asked was, what haven't I tried that I needed to try? And then it was, you know, it's like me and you having conversation right now. And I was yeah. getting feedback <laughs> almost immediately, you know. And he said, I mean, your mother's business. And I pause and I'm like, my mother's business. I mean, my mom sells retails in the open market. You've seen market retailers carrying food products on mm-hmm. the tree, open yeah. tree in the open market. So that's what my mom does. And I'm like, ah, that's my mom's business. What do I have to do with that? And then he said, you were practically born into this business. You know all the gaps. You know all the loopholes. You can begin. You can begin to provide solutions. And I'm not. And I pause. I'm like, uh, okay. So I, at this point, I had to start writing. What are the gaps I know mm-hmm. about this particular food product? So I began to note down the gaps, and I began to note down immediate solutions that is not even that is not far fetched. You know, initially it was. This is customer complaints. I mean, my mother had been selling Okwa for more than 35 years as at that time. Wow. I was practically born into Okwa business. And I remember those days uh, when you come from a family that is not so rich and then uh, that is trying to their best to also keep you keep keep up with um providing the basic things for the children. Some of us are, were not so proud. I wasn't so proud at some point that my mother was doing that kind of business because mm. if we enter my house, if we enter our house, then you will see, you always see ukwa chaff, ukwa seed, hiding. no matter how much you sweep the house, mm-hmm. you must see something locking around somewhere. So that was how much of, how much of being born into ukwa business yeah. that we were. So when, when I was having this conversation, I literally could see all the gaps sitting there so mm-hmm. i began to write down in my notepad the first gap was it was not a pro- it was a product that sells in season and so when it is out of season customers are not able to buy and also the second gap was there was usually customer complaint of it takes too long to cook or there is a sand it's like buying uh bean seed or rice mm-hmm. seed and there's a lot of sand and you have to continue to do selection process before you do the cooking that's a whole lot of time so how can we eliminate customers doing selection process or sorting process before they cook and how can we make the products available for them in and out of season mm-hmm. and how can we ensure that they get ukwa that is ready and easy to cook now that was just the first idea so what I basically did was, and I noted it down. I didn't go ahead to start a business immediately. I mean, I just noted down all of that. All and right, then yeah. I said, okay. I said, okay, there's something to do. And then I moved on with my life. And then up until <laughs> one day, <laughs> yeah, up until one day, I was invited to come and uh, chair a panel or to come and moderate a panel at an entrepreneurship event. Mm-hmm. And I remember holding the microphone and I was telling every attendee in the hall. I mean, the hall was packed out and I was telling everyone, you know, how when I was introducing myself, I told him, I said, when I'm not holding microphone, I'm selling Okwa. So if you need dried Okwa seed, you can holler at me and the rest of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was it, right? And then um, before that time, before that time, I also had moderated another entrepreneurship event. That time it was just practically idea. Business was not registered. Mm-hmm. Nothing was done. It was just idea. I remember I was at this event and we're talking about investments into entrepreneurship, uh, investment uh, options for young entrepreneurs and the rest of that. And I met this angel investor who took interest uh, in me and we connected and I shared my idea of Upa business. And it was easy for me to share about the product because I was born into it. 
So he's he got interested and he said, you know what, go on to an MOU and then bring it. And then uh, we're going to sign. I'm going to give you some so amount of money. I went to do an MOU at the time. And then I remember I totaled everything at 240,000 Naira. And then um, he said, okay, we're going to start with um, 50%. And he gave me 120,000 Naira. Now, the funny thing I wanted to get out of that MOU part is, um, is the fact that I had zero knowledge about, that was my first ever MOU anyway. And this was like 2016. And the funny thing was, see, let me not mention anything about the percentage share. It was funny. It was funny. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember that as an amateur, I sent it to a lawyer that time. And he said, it's cool, it's cool. There's nothing wrong with it, you can send. But the, according to the MOU, the investor was going to take about 55% of the company or about 60% and I was going to take 40. And inside my 40 or whatever percentage I was going to get, which was lesser, is also cost uh, money for running the business day to day, my own salary, everything I need to buy and the rest of that and the rest of that. And even though I didn't know a whole lot then, I, I figured out, okay, this is not bad after all, it's this money, right? What saved me, however, at that point in time was the business was not registered. This MOU was between this investor and Chichi. And, 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 yeah. and <laughs> yeah, that so at the point we were failing, it was okay for us to fail between him and Chichi, not between him and the company. And the company literally was not registered. So that that was my background and how did we get our first customer i remember after that event where i said uh, when i'm not holding microphone i am selling okwa i remember i think about three days later i got a call from a lady who said oh it's so nice to finally find someone selling okwa in lagos my husband's favorite food is okwa can i buy i said okay cool that's what i'm here for (laughs) i mean i was the one doing the selection process i was doing the packaging myself i was the delivery the dispatch rider I was everything. Which is typical of happen. like, yeah, entrepreneurs, right? Right off the bat, you have to be willing it's, to roll up your sleeves and, and yeah, you, know. you, you have to, because if you don't, you have very limited resources to employ those who can actually do it for you. So that was how we got our first customer and she bought and she cooked and she gave a beautiful review, by the way. And the second and third and fourth customers came from that one feedback via social media, via Facebook, actually. Oh, cool. Awesome. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is so inspiring. My gosh. So, so I have done all the things (laughs) I have, I have, my my life has practically been a life of failing and standing and failing Mm. and standing and failing and standing. So running for Nessus Foods literally is going to be like one thing I held on to and and i would also tell you by the time i okay let me even begin to talk about so so let me tell you about about the business right yes what is is, um before you even tell us about ukwa which i want i want you to explain because we have a global audience that may not know what ukwa is and how important it is or not to the nigerian um population I'm very interested in the origin of, of Phonesis as the name of your business. What does Phonesis oh, mean? Where does it come from? Like, how did you decide to call it Phonesis? Um, so Phonesis means wisdom, oh. the kind of wisdom. It's a kind of wisdom because there are different kinds of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of wisdom that lets you know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, with who to do it with. The phronesis is a kind of is it, uh, a, a Greek or a Hebrew word, either of the two. But how did I come about it? You know, again, 
after I had failed many times, I knew that if I was going to run something that was going to be bigger than me, I needed God as my uncle. I mean, I'm a Christian. I can't take that away from me. And I remember when I was preparing myself, even for my first other businesses that failed, I remember listening to my pastor's messages, talking about three kinds of wisdom. That's where I picked furnaces from. And I remember that it was, it was uh, a 15 part series and I listened to it over a period of time. Like I shot myself inside, inside house, listened to it. And I remember after I listened to the message and I remember telling God that, okay, now I am done. I need a business name. I need something that transcends me. I need something that would not revolve around Chichi, that would revolve around the vision and the things, every other mm-hmm. thing surrounding it. And this was also within the same period I was feeling. So I needed all the kind of spiritual guidance I could get. And I remember after I had finished this, I, I woke up one morning and I was asking God, so I need a business name. I need to register one. I mean, Phronesis is the word, but before Phronesis was there was Phronesis Communications. There was Phronesis Events. Oh, Do you see, understand now? Yes. Yeah. So there was Phronesis. So see, every one of them, yeah, every one of them had that background. But the thing was that um, when I was doing Phronesis Foods, when I was speaking Phronesis for Phronesis Foods, right, I told God that I didn't want to do something that every other person is doing. I wanted something different. Mm. I may start out like every other person, but I Mm. didn't want to continue like every other person. I mean, the basic of our idea was basically building a storage, but we have grown beyond building a storage or making Ukwa available in and out of season Mm -hmm. to developing new food product lines that never existed. So tell us about that. Tell us about that. Tell us Ukwa and then the the product lines. Yeah. What is Ukwa first? (laughs) Trust me, you're going to love it. So (laughs) first of all, (laughs) Ukwa is... um, a local food raw material. That's the local name is Bukwa. English name is African breadfruit. So <laughs> we will usually say African breadfruit because there are there's another species of breadfruit mm-hmm. uh, found in other countries yeah. and even down here in Nigeria. So this one is called African breadfruit primarily because of the seed. So Ukwa is a local food found in the eastern part of Nigeria. It is highly considered as elite kind of food. Elite. I mean, oh, I and when I mean yeah. elite, I mean elite in every sense of the word. And that's primarily because of the of uh, the cumbersome process it goes through to get to the point where the customer has to just either do ready to eat or just cook and eat. So it's not the kind of food product that an everyday person wants to get into. It requires attention to details. It requires real-time studying. You have to know uh, the fermentation process, you have to understand it, you have to do the extracting, you have to do the first washing, you have to do the parboiling, you have to do the, the husking, you have to do the selection process, you have to do a whole lot. Now, so is it, is, it a, is it a seed and ultimately at the yes. end of the day, is it a fruit yes. that you it's get a seed from? Okay. It's a seed. It's a fruit, you get a seed from okay. the fruits. That's why it's in the bread, it's in the fruits, is in the fruit family. So okay. the bunch of it, the bunch of it is as big as a watermelon head. So oh, when wow. it when okay. it falls from the tree, yes, when it falls from the tree, it ferments. Then you break the bulk, the bunch, and mm-hmm. then extract the seeds. I see. So, I see. Okay. Yeah, so you extract the seeds and then begin the first washing process. So then from the first washing process, the next stage is parboiling process. 
when after for boiling it has a minimum amount of time it must stay on fire if it stays shorter than that it will affect the final cooking process if it stays uh, longer than that it will affect the milling or the dehox skin process it's going to grind it into powder yeah. and you do not want that to happen so these are details that anybody mm -hmm. who wants to go into aqua business must understand <laughs> yeah so <laughs> then when all the parboiling is done and the husking is done and then there is a selection process after selection process you can either cook direct or dehydrate it for us we dehydrate because we are doing storage mm -hmm. so we dehydrate zero water content and then we begin to pack for both retail and wholesale market and also we can also mill some quantity because we are also producing other products from that actual raw material mm -hmm. so 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 we started with just dried upa in 2000 and uh, so i usually call year 2016 to early quarter early early first quarter 2018 as our business modeling phase so those were the period we failed because we also we still failed <laughs> we failed this business after two years and i went into depression but i also knew that i hadn't done everything i needed to do mm. Don't forget that I gave a background that my mother had done this business for yeah. a very long time. <laughs> One of the errors I made, Yum, is a very foolish error. One of the errors I made was I didn't leverage her knowledge just primarily because oh. I didn't. She, yes, Interesting. Wait, I so this whole that. time? <laughs> this whole time where you were doing yes, it on your that, own without for your that two years, For that two years, I was digging it out on my own because in my head, I thought I had figured it all out. Mm. And... I, because my mother wasn't quite educated, I didn't think she had that yes, much to contribute. <laughs> and that was a huge error. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese... The tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Because by the time we had failed within that two years and I had lost almost three million naira and went depressed and shut myself out. I mean, I was showing up in social media, but nobody knew that I was depressed. Yeah. But I also knew that I hadn't done everything I needed to do. I mean, all the errors, including mismanagement of funds or having very poor accounting process or bookkeeping process and the rest of that were contributed to how we failed. So I usually do not, I call that our business. We wanted to just test if the market was going to sell. That's what I call that, that phase. However, late 2018, we won a 100,000 Naira grant, as small as it is. And that is how we have grown this business that is currently doing tunes of uh, millions of Naira in revenue every year. 
of course, I, would, I wouldn't negate the fact that we have assessed business uh, uh, grants. We have done quite a number of right. uh, grants, both, both funding grants and mentorship grants and accelerator program grants and uh, the likes of Changing Narratives Africa that, we, that is even yeah. the reason why we're here in the first mm-hmm. place. So, so from UQA, we have created the dried UQA now that is the actual raw material dehydrated. We repackaged a particular ready to eat that used to be in the market. We rebranded it and repacked it. It used to be packed roasted ukwa snack with um with a palm kernel. So when oh, we were I about see. to so you, you like that, you essentially have it like a snack, like um yes, ready like, to eat. Okay, ready to yes, eat. Yes, ready to mm. eat. So when we wanted to <clears throat> rebrand, we figured that palm kernel is strong, ukwa is also crunchy on the teeth. Mm-hmm. What can we what can we mix it with, uh, combine it with other than palm kernel? And we went for coconut flakes. Ooh. So, yeah, so coconut flakes is beautiful. It's, it's delicious and it's tasty. So we now have roasted okra snack and coconut flakes. And then uh, in 2020, in 2021, in 2019, 2020, we began to research what more we could do with okra. And then I said, okay, we may have to do pound do. And we began the research process as at that far, 2019, 2020. But in 2021, we launched two products. We launched Ukwa Pound Do. You can make Ukwa Pound Do the way you make Semo or the way you make with and eat with any Nigerian local soup of your choice. Yeah. And for those that those <laughs> that are not familiar with pound do, it's like um it, it's solid. Uh, um yeah so i guess like almost like a dumpling like um like fufu for some of you who are listening from other yes, parts of the, of exactly. the continent it's like fufu. um it's like fufu yeah so it's a soft yeah fufu or banku for for, for the ganyan yeah. listening um, exactly that's sort of exactly okay and then of course we we now also have the plain upa floor that you can use to bake cookies, anything you want to bake, oh, snacks, and the rest of so, that. So so the, the background to that, sorry, um, the background to that is as we grew, we began to understand the enormous nutritional benefits contained mm. in Ukwa. And so we leverage that to continue to create new food product lines. As a matter of fact, we have about four new products currently being, on, being developed from that one raw material. Oh, that's amazing. Like, I guess my question yes. for you as you were describing the product lines was like, what, what is it traditionally used for? Because if Pando is a new product and like the snacks and even Pando like is the a flour. new product. Pando is a new product. The milling it into flour is literally a new product as well. So it's just a ready to cook the way you have rice seed. Oh, I see, seed. I see, I see. So you can just cook it into porridge and I eat. I see, I see. Okay. Yes. Okay. And of okay. course, the ready to eat has always been there. It's mm. roasted and yeah. then it's ready to eat. Okay. It's rich in fiber, very rich in fiber, very rich in protein. It's uh, the kind of food we are recommending for diabetics. For those that are watching their weight, is really filling. The fiber content makes, mm. makes it filling. So it helps you to retain. It, it retains uh, for a while in your body yeah. by cutting off hunger and the rest of that. And it's good for uh, skin. Uh, uh, it's good for skin, helps hair growth. So literally everything, including <laughs> the, the chaff, the, the, the chaff from Ukwa, we recycle into animal feeds. Oh, nice. So, nice. yes, we got, initially, yeah. yeah, initially it was it was trash until we began to notice that every time we trash, animal farmers comes to eat and grab it. So we said, okay, there's a lot of money here 
even if it's to pay electricity bill for us that this can cover, we began to recycle it yeah. and sell it to them. Um, so yeah, I was gonna ask that's that's really good. Um, I was gonna ask you about funding that you touched on that in terms of like a lot of grants, like um that you've you've had access to through accelerators and government grants, etc. Um, I want people to also understand like the impact of your business in the community because um I know in West Africa, actually all over the continent, especially like young people, especially have a hard time finding jobs, but don't tend to be attracted to agribusiness for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And so I wanted to understand from your perspective, like how um, your business also helps to employ youth. How do you attract them to the business? And then also for the people that probably do the harvesting of the ukwa and all of that in the rural communities, are there specific? I don't know if it's women that do it. Um, are they also as part of your community impact, um, part of your that's, that's, uh, ecosystem, I guess, in terms of doing that work? That's, that's an interesting question because um, uh, somehow I was going to bring that in Oh. When we began to buy, <laughs> when we began to buy, we were buying from people like my mom mm. who were selling in the open market. But over a period of time, that was not sustaining us because we have created a market demand that we needed to sustain. And to do that, we needed to have direct access to whoever owns the Ukwa trees. So Ukwa, mm. first of all, Ukwa is not the kind of, <clears throat> Ukwa does not have, nobody farms Ukwa in the rural communities. Yeah. Nobody farms Ukwa. What you're going to find in the rural communities is individual families that have four trees of Ukwa in the compound uh, or three trees of Ukwa or five Mm. trees of Ukwa. It's like a mango tree. Just once it's in season, (laughs) yeah, once it's in season, it just yields, right? Nobody nobody goes to put money under it or water it. Yeah, it just reminded me. I'm sorry to digress, but it reminded me of growing up um, at home in Accra with like all the mango, when it was mango season. Like we would run around and gather like yeah. the, the mangoes that fall fell down. Exactly. Sometimes so, we climb up and grab the low hanging, literally the low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. So so that's Okwa for you. Nobody farms Okwa. Yeah. So you're going to find individual farms. So what we did over a period of time was after we re-strategized to begin to have direct access to our supply, <clears throat> what we did was to create um First of all, we have identified that we need to build a storage, right? And in the communities, um, what happened was I discovered that there are tons of unemployed women. Our focus was, was just on women initially, and then we increased it to the youths in the community. Mm-hmm. The women primarily because in, in the path of the world where we source raw materials from, mm-hmm. uh, these women are not literally not counted as anything. And many of them are either really married many of them are widows so we wanted something that could give them keep them busy and some sort of financial inclusion and you know independency from the family and from the society and the rest of that so when we began to build storage process it it meant that we are now going to need these women we will need them to function as um, selection of certain team, we would need them to function as per boiling. In fact, many of people like my mom who sell in the open market, we had to call them back from selling in the open market and say, you know what? Um, so you come, instead of sitting under the sun or under the rain and doing this thing, so you come, whatever money you're going to make selling retail, 
we can pay you that plus something on top mm. of it. You just have to sit at our plant and do the production with us oh, and we pay you much more than what you're gaining. Now, we took it a, a bit step further. Many of the women in the communities had their children rented out to work in other people's farm. These children are out of school. So one of the things that we did was to work with some NGOs to provide scholarship opportunities for these children, right? Oh, wow. So we haven't really done much. Some of them are in government schools and mm -hmm. some of the government schools are already free education, but there is always this tuition that and this and that to pay. So every other cost with ensuring that the children are comfortable in whatever school they are. So currently we have about uh, 12, 15 of such children in the school. So we worked with the, with the, with the NGOs in, within that, within the communities to ensure that these children are in school. So what we did was two things, provide direct earning, uh, earning channel for mm -hmm. their mothers and then ensure that the children be taken off the farm because now their mothers are earning no need to Me outsource too, yeah. their kids to work yeah. in the farm. So the children are taken off the farm and then back to school. So That's it's amazing. an interesting thing because yeah. it's an interesting thing because so what we now do is other than sourcing in each of the communities, we structure uh, instead of having one big production plant, we have smaller units of production plants or just, yeah, something not so big. Each production plant employs at about 25 to 35 women and youths. Right. That's and amazing. each production plant, each production plant um, covers for at least seven to 10 communities. And there are tens of such communities. There are tens and hundreds of them. We haven't even we're just beginning to structure production plants. And the more we structure, it's mm. like when, 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 when you're searching for oil. You, you dig and dig and dig, you find oil, right? Yeah. And then you employ people to work there. And then you go to another place and you dig and dig and dig. So the more <laughs> we discover communities yeah. where we can find a raw material, mm -hmm. the more we are structuring a production plants in those communities and employing directly the women and the youths in those communities. And so far, we have about a hundred and... Um, as at um as at this as at last week we had about we have about a hundred and nineteen or twenty five between one hundred and nineteen and twenty five contract staff. So some of them are either coming and going. So these are contract staff. However, we have full time staff, nine full time staff who are all fresh graduates and youths. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you know so what? We, you know what it made me think about the yeah. very beginning when you were talking about failure up and failure up and failure and then the um the name that you chose for your business like in terms of mm -hmm. wisdom for what mm -hmm. to do and how to do it and I think that it's manifested in, Yom, let me tell in you. what you are doing it's, which is like absolutely Yom, let me let me <laughs> let me tell you something let me tell you something I've had many reasons to miss the focus, mm. to miss the vision. I've had many reasons. I've had other young entrepreneurs around me do something else and I watch them and it looks like, uh-uh, you're not producing so much. Mm. And before I know what's happening, when I'm trying to compare myself to the person, something yeah. just goes wrong. Mm. I would just see that whatever model the person was running was wrong. 
Mm. And I'm just, and I just become grateful to God that I didn't put my hands inside that model. Yeah. And I did a Facebook video last week talking about people who are copying business models without realizing that journeys are different. Mm-hmm. So, and then you copy, um, uh, I, I tell people, I say, if you must copy, if you must do copy and paste of business model, <laughs> you also have to copy the risks because you don't see the risks. Yeah. You just see the shiny part and you think that's all there is about it. And then you copy and paste until it hangs and you hit the wall and you can't you can make your way out of it so hmm. we, we have grown <laughs> we have grown really organically mm. and it is something i am usually very proud of sometime in um okay i, I think it's it's um let, let me say something very remarkable yeah. every growth every growth that we have had mm. came to us via social media interesting Every growth, every single distributor we have, the mm. distributor on, in Australia, the retailer we oh, have wow. in Scotland, the one we have in London, the first bulk distributor we have in Boston, US, every single one of them came to us through social media. I mean, at that point in time, we didn't even have the required license to sell in retail stores locally, mm. but we were wow. already in international markets. Wow. Um, yes it was so so imagine how much more we could do with mm-hmm. platforms like changing narratives yeah. africa so that's why when changing narratives and one of the things with being on social media is because i had been consistent with building brand perception mm-hmm. that has sort of given us some sort of brand equity yeah so it's easier for people to come across opportunities and say oh chichi should be interested in this this should benefit chichi because for changing when the application for changing narratives africa came out if I am not mistaken, I had different up to 25 persons send me the application process. Oh, really? I had to continue, yes. I had to continue to tell them, oh, thank you. But I already applied since I think I applied like two or three days after I, I saw mm. the after it was it was out. I saw it on LinkedIn directly via on the Lisa mm-hmm. platform. And I quickly applied. And you see the opportunities that changing narratives Africa presents for. The selected fellows. Yeah. Uh, I I am I'm, I'm very sure that some of us are not even ready for what's what <laughs> So that actually you you took the words right out of my mouth because that's where I was gonna go next. So I know how you, you found out about the program. Tell tell me about your experience so far. Um, what will you be taking away from it in, in terms of like how it will help in terms of the vision you have for Furnaces Foods and like what you're taking from it to help you move to the next level, if you will. We, as a company, our vision is to um, leverage every possible channel Mm. to create a, to leverage every possible channel to create a sustainable market for Okwa. Okay. Now, it's like being on Changing Narratives Africa is or being a fellow on the changing narratives Africa is us truly living out that vision mm. or that mission. Because what is happening is changing narratives Africa, the idea behind it is not just to throw light on African foods. No, yeah. they are giving us platforms, mm-hmm. access to partners, access to platforms, international markets that would help us assess and take what we have from local to international. Now, if, for instance, they say, oh, Chichi, you have to supply us 40 feet container of Ukwa to U.S. <laughs> if Chichi does not have the capacity, yeah. changing narratives, other than giving us market, 
also have partners and investors coming mm-hmm. on board to work with us to also ensure we have the funds to meet the new market yeah. we're getting into. That's the idea. That's that's literally us. I mean, I was thinking this was something we're going to do in five years' time. But it's not even five years. It's 2018. <laughs> yeah. It's not even five years. And the, I told my team members, I said, this is the year where everything is possible. Yeah. And when I'm saying that, I also have Changing Narratives Africa in view because I'm like, what's the, what's the worst that can happen if we mm-hmm. shoot for the moon? Yeah. What's the worst that can If we're going to land, we're going to land somewhere close to the moon. So this is the year where anything is possible for us. Thanks to Changing Narrative Africa. I mean, I am on your podcast and <laughs> thousands of people in the US yeah. and across the world are going to tune in and they are going to listen to it. And I am sure that my Igbo brethren from from across the world from across the world who are going to wonder they're going to wonder somebody is doing this with ukwa somebody is doing this amazing thing i mean that's i i literally see their face every time i say oh we are launching this new product from and they're wondering is it the same ukwa that my grandmother had a tree at her backyard and is wasting i said yes it's the same ukwa where is the tree so that we can go and take everything it's yielding so it's it's I'm, I'm so looking forward to yeah. what the fellowship is giving to us and beyond mm-hmm. that i'm looking forward to what i can contribute to the fellowship because people like us are people that the fellowship look at and they are proud of what we're doing mm-hmm. and they are encouraged to do it further for other young entrepreneurs so yeah, that's, i'm that's so looking amazing. forward to it. <laughs> that's amazing i'm so i'm so inspired by your. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed i'm not saying a lot because i'm just like I'm really inspired by your story and I'm just like taking it all in. Um, and I I am also sorry if it seems like I have so much to share. No, no, I no. <laughs> Absolutely. No, this is this is your space and your platform to share. And I and I and I tend to I tend to want to let people like I this is your platform. I'm not I'm just here to facilitate you sharing your story with the world. And um <laughs> And a lot of the times when I'm quiet, it's just like I'm I'm, I'm just in awe of and, and I've been to Lagos several times and, and so I've been to Lagos several times. I understand how difficult and we have we don't even have the time to talk about how challenging it can be to even start to run a business, you know, yeah. in Nigeria. Um and so when I hear stories like this, it's it's I'm I'm it's it's inspiring. Um that that's why I'm just in awe. So Thank you for taking the time to, to share with us today. Um, before we, we'll, we'll do some fun rapid fire questions here, but I want us to, to share where people can find you um, online, on social media, to buy a product or just learn more about you. So if you want to share like your website, your social media handles, um, let's do that first. Okay. 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 So um, we have a website, uh, ng. Phronesis, P-H-R-O-N-E-S-I-S, uh, foods, F-O-F-O-O-D-S dot N-G. That's our website. And we are on all social media platforms, uh, say, at Phronesis Foods, on IG, Phronesis Foods, uh, no underscore, no dots, no <laughs> Yeah, and I, I will share. Food. I will share the links and tag you on all of this stuff. So yes, can yes, click, I can. Click I'll share the direct link. The same yeah. on LinkedIn. The same on um on Twitter. The same on Facebook. And of course, mine is Chichi Eriobo everywhere. Chichi Eriobo on Facebook, on IG, on LinkedIn. I'll share all of the links with you. Yeah, cool. we have um, quite a very visible presence that's online. Amazing. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap up here, a couple of just quick rapid fire questions um, that we tend to ask our guests at the end of the conversation. Just your first response that comes to mind. Nothing to think too much about. <laughs> um, the first question is, are you a morning person or a night person? Sorry? Are you a morning person or a night person? Um, I think I am both. <laughs> I've heard that quite a lot lately. <laughs> Yeah, um, most entrepreneurs are both. We, we can't say because a lot of times, uh, we, we even though we close from office, mm-hmm. we are also functioning work-wise at home. My usual wake-up time every single day is 3.50 a.m. My alarm is oh, at wow. 3.50 a.m. And even when I don't hear my alarm, and somehow I still wake up at 3.50 a.m. because I have to, I have a routine, a morning routine, join my fellowship group uh, prayers. And then after which, some days I can go back to bed. <clears throat> some days I just go straight to work out, depending on how my body's responding. And then on a normal day, I go to bed pretty much late. Uh, and as late as 12, uh, sometimes 11 p.m., 12 a.m., uh, the days I'm just lounging, in, in not working, uh, maybe watching a movie. I mean, I mean, I also watch a movie, so you guys won't think it's all one. So I am both. I am both. both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you prefer sweet or salty? Sweet. Sweet. Cool. And then uh, if you had, this is the last one, if you had one word to describe the energy you're walking into 2022 with, what would that word be? Uh, I think um, exhilarating would be the right word. Um, I I hope I get that right. Wait, what's the word? Exhilarating, like... um, let me get that. Okay, hold on. Let me say. First of all, I know it's positive. I don't want to use the word positive. It's too. It's too just there. Um, but my twenty twenty two energy is. Let me just do something simple. It's unending because yeah, mm. I wake up. I wake up excited for the day. I end the day excited. I mean, I am. I, I haven't been this excited. And I don't, it's not about 2022. It kicked up sometime in November mm. when I had what seemed like a 30 minutes to one hour mentoring session with a young woman. And it ticked off some sort of simple but magnanimous light bulb moments in my head mm-hmm. where she kept talking about, Chichi, you have to think beyond yourself. You have to think beyond yourself. You have to start asking yourself how or what $1 million can do for my business. So I have been seeing $1 million everywhere I go. (laughs) (laughs) And so my energy is the energy for $1 million. million I have have a cardboard. I have a body, white board in my room. Mm -hmm. Just... Uh, you know, when you're lying on the bed, when you wake up, the yeah. pillow side, the wall side, I have, when I wake up right there on the wall, I have a whiteboard written $1 million. That's how. <laughs> that's, that's the how energy we're going so, so I wake up with the energy of $1 million and I go to bed with the energy of $1 million. So I think the best way to describe my energy in 2022 is $1 million. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> 
And what a wonderful way to end this incredibly inspiring conversation. Um, I, I'm, I'm so happy for you, Phil, for you, one, for, what, for everything you're doing with your business and for what Changing Narratives Africa and this fellowship is going to do in terms of helping you get closer to that $1 million goal for sure. And we'll yes. be following your yes. story closely. And um, yes. there's a lot of Nigerians that listen to this, both in in Nigeria and in the diaspora. So support your ecosystem. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll be following your story. I'll, I'll share this out when it comes out with links to all of the places that people can find and find you thank and your you story so and your products. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I really had fun sharing with you. And I mean, it was insightful for me too. Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Item 13 Podcast. Item 13 is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.